In Southeast Agnet's Ag in Review for the week ending January the 9th, where the 114th Congress convened this week, and Reese Langley, Vice President of Washington Operations for the National Cotton Council, says some of the key issues Congress should be addressing include trade. And specifically an effort to pass Trade Promotion Authority, or Fast Track Authority, which essentially allows the administration to negotiate trade agreements that are then brought back to Congress for an up or down vote without amendment. The current trade negotiating authority has expired, and so for Congress to be able to consider both the Trans-Pacific Partnership as well as other potential free trade agreements, the administration will need to get the Trade Promotion Authority renewed, and so that will be a key debate early in the new Congress, with the anticipation being that the Trans-Pacific Partnership will be concluded sometime in 2015. Now on the appropriations front... Hearings will begin by March of 2015, and as it relates to agriculture, the Ag Appropriations Subcommittee will begin their hearings on funding requests for the Department of Agriculture, including a number of key provisions that are important to the cotton industry, such as the cotton pest account that funds boll weevil and pink bollworm eradication, market development programs that are important for CCI. And so we'll be focused on making sure that cotton's priorities are addressed and as the funding bills are put together. In addition, we'll have to be vigilant to make sure that problematic amendments do not come up in that process that would attempt to undermine or modify the current farm bill provisions that are still being implemented by USDA. Well, also this week, we told you that more than 30 agricultural organizations formed the U.S. Ag Coalition for Cuba, which will work with Congress and the president to bring full normalization of trade relations between the two nations. Paul Johnson is the vice chair of the coalition. Over the next few months, we will work with Congress to help shape the policy that makes our products competitive, which will ultimately add jobs for farmers, local elevators, truck drivers, port workers, financial service providers, and small business trade companies around the United States. Now, those more than 30 organizations involved in the new Cuba coalition include the National Milk Producers Federation, U.S. Dairy Export Council, and the International Dairy Foods Association. They support additional changes in U.S. policy to facilitate U.S. dairy exports to Cuba and permit open travel for all Americans to that nation. Now, the dairy groups say one of the biggest impediments to trade is the lack of financing to allow for payment in a manner that is commercially viable. They stress the importance of policy changes that would remove costly and unnecessary burdens on U.S. agricultural exporters by allowing payments to pass from Cuba directly to U.S. banks in place of the current requirement that payments be routed through banks in other countries. Jim Milhern, president and CEO of the National Milk Producers Federation, said NMPF believes that unilateral U.S. government action should not hinder U.S. dairy exporters from selling their products to any nation, and they look forward to expanding the ability to more easily provide the Cuban people and those Americans wishing to travel to Cuba with the nutritious and safe foods that we produce in such abundance here in the U.S., Now, members of the U.S. Ag Coalition for Cuba also include the National Association of State Departments of Agriculture, National Chicken Council, National Council of Farmer Cooperatives, National Farmers Union, the National Grain and Feed Association, National Turkey Federation, the North American Meat Institute, the American Soybean Association, and the National Corn Growers Association. If you would like to learn more about the coalition itself, you can go to this website, usagcoalition.com. Well, Tyron Spearman had a report this week about information from a couple of university ag economists looking at how certain field crops and the livestock sector fared in 2014 and then what to expect this year. 
According to Dr. Nathan Smith, University of Georgia Extension Economist says that for cotton farmers or peanut farmers, cotton prices are hovering around 60 cents a pound. Peanuts are $400 a ton. Corn prices are around four ten. Uh, those are discouraging figures, he said, for farmers in the southeast planting next year's crop. He said it's not as rosy of a forecast for row crops as we had in past years. He said for peanut growers, the news is especially grim as prices could fall even as acreage is expected to increase next year. He said this year is more of a getting-by year in terms of cash flow. He said the outlook isn't as bright for row crops as it is for some other areas. On livestock, the livestock specialist Kurt Lacey said, I think in 2015 cattlemen will be looking at pretty much similar prices to what we had the past year, depending on when you sold. Last year we started off the year, he said, at $1.80 a pound on a 500-pound calf. The market today is about two seventy-five a pound. We've seen almost a dollar increase in one year, and that's good news for farmers. Lacey says he expects prices to remain high, which is good news for cattle farmers all across the southeast. I'm Tyron Spearman for Southeast Agnet. Cindy Zimmerman had a story this week about potatoes. There are more than 100 varieties of potatoes sold throughout the United States, and increasingly the consumer trend toward potatoes has been downsizing, according to Don Ladhoff, a retail consultant for the U.S. Potato Board. A lot of interest in yellow potatoes, red potatoes, but even more so on petite potatoes, small potatoes, definitely hot at retail. Smaller pack sizes, petites are part of that, but one to four pound sizes almost doubling versus their share two years ago. And then finally um, had mentioned the increasing interest in locally grown produce. Potatoes are the leading vegetable crop in the United States, and they contribute about 15% of farm sales receipts for vegetables. Potatoes are the fourth most consumed food crop in the world after rice, wheat, and corn. I'm Cindy Zimmerman, Southeast Agnet. And we wrap up this week's podcast with Everett Grinder looking at wild meat. You know, some people never tasted wild meat. Some don't believe wild meat once sustained the nation's need for protein. Our frontier settlers did raise a few cows and a few hogs, but bear, buffalo, and small wild game exceeded the volume of domesticated meat by far. A recent feature that came to my desk was an update on America's growing taste for wild meat today. Buffalo meat was near the top. Wild rabbit, squirrels, duck, turkey meat, all finding more room on the dinner table than in the last hundred years. Now, why the sudden change? Well, wild meat is healthier, so say the authors of the story. But I'm sure it would stand the challenge. Who's to say? Now, before you make up your mind, remember this. Venison, that's deer meat, has always been an accepted American wild meat. And that's Ag Review for today. Everett Griner, Southeast Agnet. You can hear those reports and more from this past week on our website, southeastagnet.com. Randall Wiseman, Southeast Agnet.